Good evening. Have I got something new for you? Tonight's episode of Mob Talk, we're going to talk about the scales of parenting. And just like Lady Liberty held the scales of justice, there are also scales within parenting. And that is a delicate art to balancing that scale to ensure that you have the most favorable outcome for your children. So let's get into it tonight on Mob Talk. So if we think about parenting in the historical construct, there are roles and responsibility that each parent plays within that paradigm. Like all things in life, we know that everything must change so that with every second, minute, hour, day that passes, this will result in some variation of a situation, a person, or just how we operate in day-to-day living. And parenting is no different than that. So we've had to adjust how we parent based on the changes that have occurred within the world in the context of our society. So if we think of the historical construct of parenting, and I am 46, so I'm thinking of it from my generational perspective, um, the historical context was you had a mother and a father, and that constitutes the family along with the children. And each parent had a role to fulfill for that um, role within the family. And so typically you broke down those roles and responsibilities into two buckets. You had your more tangible um, qualities, which were food, shelter, and clothing, just those fundamental needs that needed to be met. Um, It didn't matter which parent had to fulfill that. I would say probably more historically, that was usually the father that went to work, made sure that the household was taken care of from that perspective, from the financially um, necessary backed situations. Then you had your more intangible bucket, which included the more nurturing side, the softer skills, making sure that the children did what they were supposed to do, making sure they were disciplined accordingly, teaching them those life lessons, how to be responsible by giving them chores and things that they had to do within the family that they were responsible for. All of those things, those foundational things that would help them in their matriculation to becoming an adult and becoming an independent entity. So children learned early on in this type of construct that you had to respect parents. So all of those little things that we heard, you know, you speak only when you're spoken to, um, don't get in grown folks business, uh, make sure you do what I tell you to do the first time I tell you to do it, because if I have to repeat myself, there'll be consequences. So children learn early on that there were consequences for an action. So those type of uh, life lessons help frame how they will interact when they became adults in different situations, because you knew that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So as we look at parenting in this kind of historical perspective, Um, usually the parents were already self-sufficient adults. And so they had already, quote unquote, grown up and they were already into the next stage of their life. So if we fast forward and start looking at how things change, I would probably say from the 70s on, um, there was a tremendous shift in things that were happening within the world, within society, and more importantly, within the African-American community. The construct of family and parenting had to change because there were so many changes going on around us in our community and our society. So what we began to see were more teenage pregnancies, 
more single parent homes due to a variety of different reasons um, where the father was no longer in the home or even in some situations where the mother left. Um, We also began to see this paradigm of grandparents raising their grandchildren because neither parent was in the home at that point. So you had these children. So instead of giving them to um, social services, the grandparents would take on the role to raise these children. So as we saw an increase in drugs and violence and things like that, taking more of our parents out of the home, the construct of parenting had to change tremendously because you're dealing with different situations that weren't typically present when we think of parenting from that historical perspective. So how does that frame what parenting looks like when you have these outside influences um, kind of molding how you need to parent? So let's look at the first one. Um, If you are a teenage parent, how you parent would definitely be different than if you are a 30-year-old person because there is a different mindset. First of all, your experiences are limited at that point because you're still trying to figure things out. So when you are given the responsibility of quote unquote raising a person and you're not fully raised yourself, that frames a different type of parenting style than someone that has already experienced a lot of life lessons and experiences and has a different perspective and understands some of those fundamentals. So if you're lucky, And if you do get pregnant when you are younger and you have the support of your parents, that can kind of help bridge those gaps. And when I speak of gaps, I'm speaking in terms of just some of those uh, foundational pieces that you may be missing as a teenage parent than you would have if you were a adult parent, um, you know, in your mid to, to late 20s on. So that would be a different approach um, that you would have to take in being a parent. So if we look at typical historical parenting, usually there was a distinction between the generation, between the parent and the child. But what happened as we began to see a shift in society, that generational gap began to shrink. And so when you have parents at 15, and you have that 15 year span um, of, of the child and the parent, that gap is really, really, sh- it's really, really short. And it causes kind of some overlap because you're kind of on the same trajectory with your child at some points. And so it becomes a little bit different, difficult to navigate those blurred lines and how you can give perspective to a child when you're still trying to figure things out for yourself. So that is one uh, example of the difference is in parenting and balancing your having to grow up in some ways with making sure that the um, less tangible issues that you need for parenting are met with your child. So if you're a teenage mother, your perspective with your child on teaching them to be responsible Um, teaching them, you know, how to be a nurturer when you still need to be nurtured yourself changes. And so you start to look at things differently um, as as a parent, but it's very difficult because your 
um, experience is, is quite limited in this regard. And so how that child receives your parenting is much different than if you were older and a parent because you have a different perspective and you've also kind of grown into yourself. You, you know who you are, you know a lot about yourself and you have you know overcome some things so that you have a different perspective that you can give and offer to your child. Um, if you are a high school dropout, again, that changes your perspective. It's very difficult to encourage and, and tell a child that education is the most important thing if you didn't make it through yourself. So it changes your perspective. And that kind of goes into the theory of do as I say, not as I do. Now, there's there's a twofold um, you know, thought process behind that. Do as I say, not as I do. If you were a parent that had to drop out and were unable to go back and finish school, um, you know, you can use that as a lesson to your child. Look at me as an example. This is not the path that you were going to go. You want to go down. This is why it made things so difficult to me. Or if you don't take that perspective and just say, you have to go to school and that's the most important thing. And this child is looking at you like, well, you didn't go to school and you're doing fine. Again, that that scale kind of tips a little bit and probably not in your favor. When you have grandparents raising children, again, the generational gap becomes critical at this point because now you are, you know, jumping over a generation. So that typical construct of family that that we all know that is often represented in the media and on television becomes quite different. I think today there's probably more representations of different types of families and different types of parents. Um, but you know, that is fairly recent. So if we look at the the construct of even schools, um, usually there's something that they would want the mother to come in for. They have a special thing for the father, you know, father-daughter dances or mother teas, Mother's Day teas and things like that. And depending on your situation and what your parenting situation is, again, that starts to frame a different perspective in your child's mind because they will quickly start to recognize that, hey, my parent is not like Sally's or Susie's and this is different. Now I'm not sure which one is right, but it's different. And so they begin to notice those differences. And if we don't address or acknowledge that they are noticing those things, we leave them to their own devices to kind of determine what that means and what that looks like in the future. So we know that um, a lot of the shifting in parenting was due to outside influences. So we know as drugs increased in our communities, as violence began to ramp up, a lot of times we lost our men to prison, to death, to the streets. And when you are, again, I I will keep harping on this, when you are viewed as having only a lifespan of maybe 25 years, then your whole perspective on life changes. And so you may have careless behavior where you create a child, but you're not necessarily ready to raise a child and you walk away from that child. And so some of those things that were not within our control also have shaped how parenting has shifted and changed. And when a a young mother has to do this by herself, she has two choices, figure it out or don't. 
And so if she doesn't, then, you know, hopefully there is a grandparent that can, can stand in the gap and take care of that child. But we also lose a lot of our children um, to the system because we have mothers that aren't ready to be mothers. And it's probably just due to the fact because they're not adults yet. And so that is an adult responsibility. And I think also when you look at, you know, the the occurrence of, of teenage pregnancies, um, depending on the guidance at home, if you came from a very strict household, there may be a, a sense of rebellion that you just want to do anything that is opposite of what you're being told to do because you feel that you're being smothered. You feel that you can't experience the world because you have parents that are so strict that, you know, they just don't want to give you any breathing room. And so your first opportunity to rebel results in a child. And then you have the added pressure of, you know, if your parents were those strict parents, um, typically, you know, there, there may be some sort of a religious um, stance behind that. But they did all of these things to protect you from that one thing that happened. And then now you have the guilt of living with that. That also frames how you will parent because if you carry that shame and that guilt with you after your child is born, um, I think that you just pass that along and that creates this kind of uh, generational uh, confusion that uh, we see manifested when we have teenage mothers in their relationship with their child. Um, it's a delicate balance between being your child's mother and being their friend, because sometimes you're so close in age, the lines get very, very blurry. And so it's easy to kind of lose that, that uh, reality that you are this child's mother, but in the same regard, you're on the same trajectory as that child at some point, and you're both growing up together. So it becomes difficult to navigate, you know, when you're the parent and when you're the friend. And so um, let's talk about that a little bit, being our, our children's friend. And I think we see that quite often now with, with younger uh, parents in their relationship with their child, because you do have to figure out things. You're figuring out things as you're trying to rear this child. You're figuring out things for yourself. And as you're growing together, it becomes easier to have a more friendly and cordial relationship because they've seen you figuring it out. They've seen you mess up. And so sometimes we feel that we don't deserve that level of respect because of the mistakes that we made. And so in that feeling of, of guilt or shame about ourselves, that translates into either overcompensating with our children where we had parents that were super strict, but I'm not going to be strict with my child because this is what happened as a result of them being strict. So I want them to be able to tell me everything. So in order to do that, they have to trust me. So if I'm their friend, then they trust me. Well, that is a slippery slope to, to go down because you do want your children to be open with you. But once you create that kind of a free relationship between a child and a parent, it becomes very difficult to reel that in. And so you can't just press a button where I'm your friend one day 
And then if they say something that you deem as disrespectful, now I'm your parent and you can't do that. So that would be very confusing to a child, but it's also confusing to the parent as well because you do want your child to be able to talk to you about everything. So that's another area where that scale begins to tip. And it is a delicate balance that is uh, probably a lifetime of trying to figure it out. When is it okay to have that friendly and cordial relationship with your child? And are the different stages of development, um, are those influential in in how that type of relationship uh, shapes the future for that child? So when we see situations where a parent and child have a more friendly um, relationship, sometimes we excuse or normalize some bad behaviors because we want them to feel comfortable telling us anything. So that may look like, you know, letting your child have um, company over of the opposite sex and they spend the night or you know that they are smoking weed, but you justify and say, well, at least if they're doing it in my house, then I know that they're safe. So it sends mixed messages to the child um, that you are accepting of this behavior. And I think for the parent, most parents will admit they're not accepting it, but in your your wanting to protect your child and your desire for your child to trust you and to be open with you, you allow some of these behaviors and you normalize some of these things just to keep that open dialogue. So it's not coming from a malicious place. It's not just allowing your child to be a doormat, um, allowing yourself to be a doormat for your child. It's because you do want to create a relationship where your child feels comfortable talking to you about anything. So we talked about, you know, the overprotective parent, the helicopter parent um, that just is all in the child's business and, you know, doesn't want them to experience anything in the world because we know what what is out there. Um, I can speak for myself. I'm probably on that other end of the scale where I'm a bit more overprotective of my children uh, just because I am so paranoid about the world getting them. And so, you know, I I limit what they watch on television. I I limit things that other of their friends and classmates do that they are not allowed to do such as sleepovers because I just don't trust people with my child and having them in the house because there's some crazy things going on in the world. So, you know, in some regards, maybe my sons are already saying, dang, mommy won't let us do anything. And I know that that's going to be a situation as they get older that I'm going to have to navigate. Again, that balance, that scale of parenting, how do, how do you keep that balance? And sometimes I think it's okay to have it out of balance because you have to adapt to the situations at hand. I want my children to be able to come to me and talk to me about anything. So I try to make sure I am very conscientious of that and having a conversation And anytime that something is said, I try not to react right away. But there is that, you know, time where I'm going to have to do some correction. So what, you know, my whole stance is, is that it's about respect. You will not respect, disrespect me as your mother, but I want you to be able to talk to me open and honestly. So even looking at the relationship with my parents, here I am 46 years old, but there are certain things that I would never do in front of my parents. I don't even swear. I I think, I think if I do, I might spell it, 
But, you know, there's just certain things that because that's so ingrained in me, the relationship that I had with my parents and the expectations that they set for me, that I still probably manifest that with my own children. So I think that your experience with your parental units um, does shape how you parent and also, you know, when you became a parent shapes how you parent. So that balance between being smothering and overprotective, that can also backfire on you as well. Because if your children feel that you're not open, then they may do things behind your back and that can create a whole nother situation. So there's that fine line of, you know, um, making sure that you are a parent that can be open to have your children talk to you about anything, but also just planting those seeds and planting that foundation that they know that they have to be respectful. And I think that when we teach our children to be respectful to us, that in turn teaches them to respect others. So when I see young men and young ladies and I'm walking into a store and they're swearing and cursing and and talking about things that are very inappropriate, I wonder, you know, again, is this something that your parent would accept? Because I know what I was taught is that any adult deserve respect and you could not disrespect any adult. Um, it was always going to be, you know, if, if an adult came to my parents, it was, why did you do it? Not if you did it. And so again, I think this is about the difference in generations and how wide that gap is between the generation of the parent and the child and how they become young adults and eventually adults. So The foundation that we set with our children will also influence how they're parent. And that can have uh, two kind of consequences. One, they can parent very similar to how we are. Or two, if they don't have a favorable experience or their perception is, is that their parental unit, the experience with their parent was not favorable, they can go in the total opposite direction and parent in a different way. So either way, we're influencing um, the futures of how parenting will be shaped and formed for our children. So we we just have to remember that there is a scale um, and sometimes we have to weigh the good and the bad and figure out, you know, what is best in the moment, because I don't think there is a one size fits all approach because there will be so many different situations. So situations and things that are going on in society now, my parents didn't have to deal with. So their parenting style um, then would probably not be best for what is going on now because you would never think about having to have a talk about sex with 10 and 11 year olds at this point. But now that we're in the age of the internet, we're in the age of social media, we're in the age of sex trafficking, some of these conversations are happening earlier and earlier and we're stripping away that innocence in our children. Um, But they are going to be exposed to it anyway, even if we don't talk about it, no matter how much we try to shield them. If they go to school, if they have interactions with another child, if they are just able to watch TV, because even some of the children's shows exposes them to things that you may not have been ready as a parent to talk about, But when they come to you with a question, you have to be ready to respond. And what would that look like? So if you 
just, um, you know, make it so it's an embarrassing moment. Again, you're leaving that child up to their own devices to figure it out for themselves. Or if you have that conversation, are you opening Pandora's box where you would have other questions and it would just kind of be a domino effect of, of very uncomfortable conversations that you're having with your young person? So my goal always is just to give you food for thought. This is not coming from a place of judgment, but it's just observations that I see. So now that we talked about the scales of parenting, I hope that this will resonate in your spirit and you would think about it in your day-to-day life and your interactions with your children. And I thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you and God bless.